What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold, but the takes are hot. Episode 47 coming at you guys today. A little NBA playoff update, as well as some award updates that have already come out. A um, little NHL playoff update, golf update as usual. College baseball recap and a couple of big series coming up this weekend. Um, finally, an MLB standings update as we're a few weeks in here and kind of standings are kind of shaping place, although it feels like a lot of teams are still kind of bunched up. Um you know, around the 500 mark in most divisions. Um, hopefully we'll see this operation kind of in the next month or so, but we'll see. Um, kind of been a weird year in baseball with pitch clock and all that. And then got a little bit of an NFL kind of wrap up update. Uh, again, not a lot going on right now. A lot of, a lot of smoke screens with the draft coming up, um, man, in, in six days. Can't believe we're saying that six days away. Um, I know we've both been kind of counting on the days and they're just starting to go by pretty slow for both of us. I think um, you maybe more so than me, Brett, just with, Maybe got a little less stuff going on than I do, but, um, you know, school-wise and all that. But still, days are starting to go by slow. Um, so not a lot of stuff with the draft right now. Um, but, yeah, we'll kick it off, turn up the heat. I'll start us out real quick, keep it kind of on the draft. Um, heard some things. Um, Daniel Jeremiah, Peter Schrager, two guys who are super plugged in, um, kind of get a lot a lot of talk with team sources, team sources and, and, you know, executives and GMs. Um, they did a pod yesterday doing a mock draft and both guys have said, well, DJ definitely said that they, both of them said that they would take, that they would take Will Levis over Anthony Richardson. But DJ went as far to say that he's heard from multiple credible, like league around the league sources that they would take Will Levis over both Richardson and Stroud. So I'll say right now that the Colts are going to take Will Levis on Thursday night next week. I don't know if Stroud will be there. I mean, it kind of depends on if somebody moves up. I, I think at this point we're pretty firm at least at the moment that we think Houston's going to take Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson, one of those two, like there's been kind of been some back and forth on which guy they take with school ties uh, with each guy, with the D line coach being a Texas tech alum. Um, and obviously D'Amico Ryan's is an Alabama guy. Um, and then kind of is, if someone goes to three and takes CJ or not, but it sounds like the Colts want Will Levis, which would explain the lack of movement that we kind of, the lack of on the movement front that we've seen from them, lack of aggression to get up if they feel like they can get Levis at four. Um, so yeah, uh, that's my hot take is that that, that 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 I think the Colts are going to be taking Will Levis on Thursday night. Whether or not it's over Stroud and Richardson, I don't know. It, I would bet AR AR is on the board and, and Anthony Richardson, but I, I don't know if Stroud will be. But they're definitely going to take Levis um, on Thursday night. I think right now, if he's available, barring a trade up for him, which I don't think would happen. Right. Yeah, I don't think that. Uh... I don't think we're going to see anything too shocking that we haven't already, you know, kind of thought out. Um, but yeah, I and mean, this isn't honestly, like some like thing... groundbreaking thing. Like people talk, people have been connecting him to the Colts for a month plus now. Right. But right. And I don't think, I mean, as of right now, it looks like Bryce is a lock to go number one, but that could always change, even though, you know, probably doesn't, it could always change. Um, and with Houston, you know, if they really like Bryce that much better, then they have a ton of options at number two. They could trade down with Detroit. They could trade down with Atlanta and still take a really, you know, highly touted defender uh, at six or eight. So a lot of different avenues that teams could go down, especially at the top. Um, my hot take is draft related as well. Um my take is that a team in the draft will trade up 10 plus spots in the first round to select a quarterback or a wide receiver. Ooh, receiver is uh, interesting. Ooh, yeah, I mean, I like it could be receiver. Um, we saw last year the Lions traded up to get Jamison Williams. Um, 
QB, maybe not as much. Maybe for Hendon Hooker, if he does go in the first, I could see I'm, a team I'm trading I'm on board up. with quarterback, 100%. Especially if Richardson, if Richardson slides past, like, six. Like, if he goes past the Lions at six, because I don't, I, don't I don't think Vegas is taking a quarterback. So, if, I mean, he's the guy that I think teams will go up for. Right. Receiver is interesting. Talk, talk me through the, talk me through the receiver one. I'm, I'm, I'm not talk me. I'm, I'm curious to see where your heads out with the receiver. So for this receiver class, I think in terms of the guys that could go in the first round or are a lock to go in the first round, they all have such diverse skill sets and you know strengths and weaknesses and stuff like that. So what I'm thinking is a lot of teams are going to have these receivers very differently ranked on their boards. And one team might view a guy as a receiver one, whereas another team picking a lot higher might view him as a receiver four. So maybe not that extreme, but that's definitely a scenario that could happen where, I mean, we saw the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes worked out with Zay Flowers this past week in Fort Worth, and they're picking at 31. So let's say Zay's there at 19, and maybe they want to jump the Ravens and Chargers, that they think could possibly take him, then maybe the Chiefs jump up 12 spots to take Zay. You look at Addison, I think some teams might have Addison fairly high um, just because of the offenses they run. That could be another trade-up scenario for him. Obviously, Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, who I, I'm pretty sure most teams probably have as a wide receiver one. Um, yeah. yeah, I think he's probably pretty solidified there. I could see think at least, right? teams I mean, trading up for him. I mean, um while he probably doesn't yep. go past 12, if someone wants to jump Houston at 12 and go to 11, that's also a scenario. Um, but yeah, I just think there's a lot of options for teams to do. Um, for teams to, you know, kind of round out their wide receiver room. Today, I guess we'll just touch on it real quick. Jamison Williams was one of a few Detroit Lions players to be suspended at least six games, Jameson's and another guy are six games, and then two other guys were indefinitely for the remainder of the season, whom both were then cut shortly after. So Jameson's out the first six games, um, and Atlanta's picking at six and 18. They could trade down from six and take a guy, but I ultimately think it would be a trade-up from 18 more likely. Now, 18 probably is a sweet spot for receivers in this class, but that's kind of just what I was thinking in terms of, you know, what teams could do. I think it's really possible – a real opportunity that we can see a team trade up at least 10 spots for a quarterback or a receiver. But that's pretty much the only, you know, the reasoning behind the take. Um, I just like when teams move around and we get some, um, what do you want to call it? Different orders of picks than we normally would in the mock drafts that we always run. Um, yeah. But yeah, that'll pretty much I mean, it's definitely. That. Well, I mean, it's definitely. Well, I'll, I'll kind of explain a little bit real quick. I, the JSN one for sure. If there's like, if there's a team, I mean, I I I would hate it if it happened because I don't want to move up that far. But like, if the Chargers really were like, man, like we, if we feel like JSN, like number one is a is a one for one replacement for what Keenan Allen does, and he helps us right now. Don't sh- don't I would I wouldn't shock me if they moved all the way up to like, man. Like say Philly, like Philly loves to move down. If Philly wants to go, like they want to go up with Philly. And go to ten and take, you know, they want to go get JSN or something like that, or even like you mentioned with Zay, Chiefs want to get up above, you know, Chargers, uh, Ravens. I mean, shoot, even the Seahawks at twenty can take could take Zay. 
So if they want to go get up to 19 with a Bucks team that's looking to get some more capital, that wouldn't shock me either. Um, I guess, I don't know. I don't love this receiver class that much in the first round. Um, like, need, like outside of JSN, I don't, I don't have a top 20 receiver on the board for me. Um, I mean, there's there's two tight ends, actually three tight ends that are ranked above the next two receivers for me. Now, it's not some result of what they can do as a pack. I think Darnell Washington's at 23 on my board right now. In like the past two days, I've moved Addison and Flowers down to 20, 24, 25. Just because I think that Darnell Washington can impact the game at such a high level as a blocker. Like, I think he's he steps in immediately and is basically a swing tackle. Like he, he literally, you're in tackle over every time he's on the field, it feels like. So, All right. Um, I don't love these guys personally. Um, like, I, I like him as pro- I'm not going to be mad if the Chargers took one because I think that you've got to go to the right position if you're a receiver. But the Zay thing is interesting for sure. I, I, I can see why a team would want to go get him, right? Like, I can see why the Addison thing feels like more of a safer player, but not as high of a ceiling as Zay. That makes sense. Like he's less volatile. Like I think, you know what you're getting in him. Whereas with Zay, it's more of like a, a little bit of project projection to the next level with the size profile and yada, yada, yada. So, um, but okay, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get off the, off the hot takes. And we'll get into the NBA, um, NBA awards update first. We've had what four awards announced already. And we've got really, I guess really one more, right? We've got MVP and again, rookie of the year, I guess. So two more, kind of to be announced um but defensive player of the year was memphis grizzlies jaron jackson uh f- power forward for them um clutch player of the year was uh for actually the first the first ever clutch player of the year was sacramento kings point guard uh De'Aaron fox so two two awards there that have already been given out to two western conference uh you know top three contenders um the, i like the clutch player of the year i like that a lot that's a new one um but i really like that we're that they're doing that i think it's a it's a an award that you know, I think that we probably should be giving out for, you know, a little while longer, but um, I like that a lot. Yeah, for sure. I like it as well. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, I mean, I think he led the league in points per game in the fourth quarter, um, which has been pretty much is the definition of clutch, especially in the final minute. Um, and we've already seen it in their series, in their uh, first round series with Golden State so far. Next two awards were the coach of the year, which was the Kings, Mike Brown, uh, obviously them being a three seed after their long drought, uh, well-deserved. And then sixth man of the year was announced last night, and it's the Celtics, Malcolm Brogdon. I believe he's won it before. Um, just a really stout player off the bench for them, and I mean, one of the big reasons that they're one of the best teams in the league. Deep rosters um, normally get you far in the playoffs, and you know, I don't think any rosters deeper than the Celtics right now. But yeah, that's pretty much it. We still have a few awards, like you mentioned, to go out um, while the playoffs are going on. No date on those yet, but um, they'll probably be coming pretty soon. But the NBA playoffs did begin this past Saturday, um, six days ago, as we're recording this and releasing it on this Friday, April 21st. Um, so for the East, I'll go through it real quick. Um, number one seed, Bucks. They're playing the number eight seed Miami Heat. Series is tied 1-1. Number two Celtics facing the number seven Hawks. Boston's up 2-0, heading to Atlanta. The three seed Philadelphia 76ers are playing the six seed Brooklyn Nets. And Philly's up 3-0, looking for a sweep tomorrow in Brooklyn. And lastly, to round out the East, we have the number four seed Cavs facing the number five seed New York Knicks. And that series is currently tied 1-1. Yeah, I mean, NBA playoffs has been it, honestly, it's it's been better than uh, I expected it to be. A little more competitive, obviously. Um, 
couple two o leads, couple three o leads. Um, but no, I mean, like you said, we, Kings Warriors super chippy. Um, obviously with uh, Draymond getting the getting the suspension. Um, you know, it's not. I mean, it's probably warranted definitely for what he did. But um, just kind of the, the chippiness of the two the two teams there that are kind of playing each other and um, sneaky, a sneaky rivalry brewing, I think with, with the Kings and Warriors, but we'll kind of keep it pushing here. Um, let's see. You hit Kings. Remember the first, I don't want to double up here. What was the, remember the first one you just, you talked about? I just covered the whole East in order. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. Um, I just wanted to get, I don't want to double up, but um, like I'll, I'll just, I'll do Kings Warriors first. Um, Kings up through oh, Kings up two one through three games. Um, Warriors had a big win last night. I think they're gonna win tomorrow. tomorrow. What they're playing tomorrow, or are they are getting two days off. They've been weird. They've been getting one game off, two games off. It's been kind of here and there with with. I believe scheduling. it's tomorrow. Okay, I thought it was tomorrow too. Um, and then one Nuggets versus the eight Timberwolves. Um, this has kind of been the one I guess stinker in the Western Conference, if you will, with the Nuggets being up two zero. I believe they're playing tonight. Um, I think there's a bunch of Western Conference games tonight, actually, on Friday. If I pull it up, um, which I'll do in a second. But um, Nuggets have been in control for the most part. Expect them to probably sweep, maybe win one game. Um, but it was a competitive game, too. Kind of a back and forth with Jamal Murray and uh, Anthony Edwards for a while there. But I just don't know if that's sustainable for the Timberwolves. Kind of go shot for shot like that um, with the Nuggets. And Ultimately, they're probably going to be a four or five game series like we kind of talked about. Um, Grizzlies Lakers is tied one to one. Lakers took game one with a huge comeback. Um, Grizzlies ended up winning by double digits in game two. Um, I'm predicting LeBron. LeBron is like 40 or 50 tonight after Dylan Brooks basically called him old and washed up after game two. If I was Dylan Brooks' teammates, I'd be like, hey, man, why would you do that to us? That's that's a crime. Like LeBron's going to go drop 40 on us now. Um That'd be a little bit upsetting. Like I said, Kings Warriors is 2-1 with Sacramento at the edge there. And then Suns Clippers, uh, Phoenix has rallied from the down 1-0. They're now up 2-1. Um, two really, really good back-to-back games um, kind of from the Suns. And um, I would expect that, that to continue. Um, it, I mean, it would probably take another heroic effort from Kawhi to kind of propel him to, the, to a series win. Um, I just think that's, the Suns are more talented, and that's going to end up shining through kind of as we get deeper into the series. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the West looking like it'll be, you know, a fun playoffs and whoever makes it to the finals out of that conference will be, you know, battle tested. East, we're going to have some blowout series, probably especially early on in this first round, maybe second round. We see some five game series, but pretty much it, I believe, for the NBA. We're going to move on right along here as we got a lot of stuff to cover today. NHL up next. Uh, just another playoff update, honestly. Um, Stanley Cup playoffs did begin a few days ago on Monday. In the East, we have the Bruins versus Panther- Panthers. It's tied 1-1. The Carolina Hurricanes versus New York Islanders. Carolina's up 2-0. Devils Rangers, the Rangers are up 2-0. Lightning Maple Leafs tied at 1-1. So out of the six series, only two of the series are not tied. And, you know, the Rangers and Hurricanes are the two teams that are up 2-0. Um, yeah, I'm honestly surprised the Panthers won a game in Boston. The Bruins had the greatest regular season ever. Um, should make for a fun series. Hopefully, going down to Florida, uh, may the Panthers win one and make it interesting down the stretch. But not too many uh, notable series. I know the Lightning Maple Leafs have had two really, really good games. The first two of the series. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot on the other two series, the Hurricanes and Rangers series. 
Um, but I assume it's, you know, a pretty good series so far, being that, you know, the Hurricanes and Rangers haven't lost yet. Yeah. No, I mean, hockey, playoff hockey is always, um, or hockey, but playoff hockey, um, always entertaining. I, I think always good for a couple upsets. I think you're right, though. That the, the Panthers winning that game in Boston was, was definitely a surprise. Um, Carolina, New York up 2 0. Um, I don't want to say super shocking, um, maybe a little bit shocking in, in, in the in the Rangers series, but Eastern Conference is pretty tight kind of throughout outside of, you know, the number one. They're they're pretty, I don't want to say super tight, but I mean, top six to, I think five, top five to six were pretty, pretty tight, I think, um, from like games or a point standpoint. So, um, and the Rangers are really, they're a very experienced playoff. I know they're young, but I mean, they got a ton of playoff experience last year. I mean, they, what, they were up 2-1 against the Lightning in a series in the conference finals. So, um, you know, a young team that's got a lot of playoff experience is always dangerous in playoff hockey. And then um, Lightning Maple Leafs, I know the Lightning are obviously on the tail end of what, what was, you know, really a dynasty um, that they have for a few years there. Um, still, you know, playing at a high level, uh, obviously, in the playoffs of the fourth seed. But um, curious to see if the Maple Leafs can kind of pull it off and then, Curious to see where it goes from here, right? Like, if you know, assuming the Bruins pull it out, you know, they kind of get right and figure it out. Um, obviously, you assume Carolina and New York don't blow 2-0 leads. Um, kind of see how those matchups kind of go from there, and obviously Lightning Maple Leafs. But in the West, uh, all all four series are tied 1-1. Stars versus Wilders tied 1-1. Oilers-Kings 1-1. Golden Knights and the Jets 1-1. And the Avalanche and the Kraken 1-1. Um, really big win for Seattle. Um, in their first was and they won their first game, right? Their first playoff game. Yeah. Um, which is really cool to see. I'm I'm pulling for the crack, and it was really cool when the Golden Knights made that run, um, to the Stanley Cup final. What two years, three, two three years ago now? In their first three year. years. Yeah. Um, so that's always cool to see. I'm I'm pulling for the Kraken. Um, seeing make a, a run here. Um, but no, it's just, I mean I'm I'm excited to watch the rest of this playoff hockey kind of play out, man. It's gonna be good. Um, Western Conference was like, I mean, dude, like within games of each other the entire season. So I'm not shocked to see all four, all four of these series tied one-to-one. Um, and I'm excited to see kind of how this, you know, I'm hoping, I think most is going to go six to seven. So hopefully we get some really good series here in, in, in the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs and get some awesome, um, you know, late, late, late series heroics um, in hockey as we always kind of see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, I normally don't really start watching games in their entirety until the second, third round. Um, but no doubt by the time you get to the Stanley Cup final, um, it's always some pretty solid competition. Um, you know, two really, really good teams most of the time. Rarely do you see, you know, kind of like a underdog go a long way in the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. But that'll pretty much wrap it up um, for NHL as we move along to golf here. So starting with the recap of last weekend. Actually watched a good bit of this tournament, the RBC Heritage at Harbortown Golf Links in Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. The purse was $20 million, so it was a bigger payout than the Masters the week prior. Uh, last year, Jordan Spieth won the event, and this year, it went to a playoff as Jordan Spieth and Matt Fitzpatrick were both at 17-under through seven, 72 holes. The winner, Matt Fitzpatrick, took home 3.6 mil, as that was 18% of the total pot. First playoff hole. Uh, they replayed the 18th. Spieth lipped out for birdie. Uh, both players made par. Spieth, I mean, was so close to making it. Um, unfortunately for him, he didn't. But they went to a second playoff hole. It went back to the 17th. The par three, I believe. Um, Spieth 
Spieth's putt burnt the edge of the cup again as he was putting for the win. And both players made par. Then the third playoff hole, they went back to the 18th. Fitzpatrick nearly holed his approach from, I think, 155 yards out. And Spieth missed his chip to tie it as Fitzpatrick tapped in to win it on the third playoff hole. Um, really, really high quality golf at, you know, a nice golf course. Um, you know, Carolinas, Florida, all down there have really, really good golf. Georgia included, obviously, with Augusta. Um, you know, another just iconic golf course on the PGA Tour schedule. One of the bigger events, um, you know, obviously not a major, um, but one of the bigger events on tour. And it was fun to see, you know, really good competition down the stretch. I thought Spieth was going to repeat. I mean, he had so many opportunities too. He was in the lead with two holes to go and blew it from there. And then obviously, like I said, the first two playoff holes, he had putts for, for the win and narrowly missed both of them. Um, nonetheless, Matt Fitzpatrick, Last year's U.S. Open champion takes home the win this weekend and gets the uh, plaid jacket and the trophy. Man, heartbreaking stuff for for Jordan Spieth. Um, I mean, he literally narrowly missed two putts to win the, to win the whole thing, right? Um, so I mean, it, it's tough, but at the end of the day, it's cool to see Matt Fitz, Matt Fitzpatrick win one um, win one here. Obviously, with Jordan winning it last year. Um, cool to see another, a new guy win it again. Name everyone knows Jordan Spieth's name. Cool to see not that not that Matt Fitzpatrick is an unknown, but just not a not a name that's probably known to casual golf fans. You know, folks that kind of check you know box scores, if you will, but then tournaments or watch you know the majors and stuff. So um, you know, cool to see him win one and, and get one here. Um, and cool to see a different guy win it um, than last year for sure. Yeah, I'm glad to see some different guys winning early on this season. Uh, but this weekend, currently going on, we have the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. That'll be played at TPC Louisiana in Avondale, Louisiana. A little bit of a smaller event. Features an alternating round, four ball and foursome format. And last year, Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley took home the win as the best pairing. After the first day yesterday, we had two pairings shoot an 11-under 61. Uh, currently on the second day, Wyndham Clark and Bo Hostler are tied for the lead at 16 under last time I checked. Uh, another really fun tournament here. You know, the the four ball round is where two guys play their own ball and they just take the better score. The foursome round is where you take the best drive and you play your own ball in from there. Um, so really, really low scores we're going to see this week. The winner might be at 27, 28 under. Um but yeah, look for a repeat from Cantlay and Shoffley, two really consistent, really good golfers. Um, but yeah, Clark and Hostler are playing really well right now at 16 under, and I believe that's what they finished at through day two. Yeah. Um. Again, the the way that they play this whole the whole event is cool. Um, alternating around four ball, four some formats, really cool. So, um, different, obviously different than a normal golf tournament, which is nice. Um, different change of pace. Um. Definitely going to check out the last round, um, last couple of rounds here, and um, kind of see how the scores finish out. Again, it's, it's it's cool to see different, you know, kind of just a different way of um, kind of determining a winner and all that stuff and just playing the whole tournament in the round. Um, makes for, like you said, some super low scores. What well, type of lead at 16 under through through two days is crazy. So, um you know, super low scores, obviously playing best ball and all that. So really cool to see. Um, and then we've got one more 
Uh, one more thing to hit on for golf this week, and then we kind of get, get moving to college baseball with uh, the Mexico Open. Smaller event with a purse of $7.7 million, um, played at. i got to zoom in to read this on my screen here. Is it Vidanta, Vallarta, and Villo Hidalgo, Mexico? Uh, John Rahm, the Spaniard, won the event last year. Um, obviously coming off a big Masters win uh, a couple weeks ago. So, or at least last week, actually. Wow, it's, time's going by slow, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, well, so I assume Rahm's going to play again. We'll see if he wins, but should be should be a cool international event for the PGA this week, or next week, I should say. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, one of the smaller events on tour as we gear up for the uh, – PGA Championship in a few weeks in May. Um, looking forward to seeing who comes out on top of that, no doubt. Um, you know, another event, regardless of you know the payout or how big the purse is. Another event on tour for guys to help their rankings and FedEx Cup points and stuff like that. So lots to look forward to on the PGA Tour schedule as always. Moving on to college baseball here. The games we talked about last weekend, we covered eight games, made our predictions. We won't go over our predictions, but we are going to recap the series that we talked about. Starting it out, number 12, Kentucky, who is number one in the RPI right now, traveled to play number one, LSU. It was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. On Thursday, LSU run-ruled Kentucky 16-6. Friday, Kentucky came back and won 13-10. And then a rubber match on Saturday, LSU won it by one run, 7-6. So LSU won that series. They've yet to lose a series this year, playing really well. Um, yeah, just really consistent, and I think they have an off week in the SEC this week. Yeah, obviously, I mean, listen, it, it, big for Kentucky to get the win, 13-10 uh, to 10 in an absolute slugout, slugout, slugfest. I mean, it's Friday, as you can tell. It's been a long week. Um, brain's a little fried, but we're, we're going to make it through. Um, obviously, a big win for Kentucky to get that win, and then obviously Saturday. Seven to six LSU getting a win in a tight game there is really really solid for them. Um, Miami North Carolina, um, Miami actually shockingly takes the road series from UNC. Um, probably gonna I think they did. Did they jump back into the rankings this week? Believe so, yeah. I think they did. I I don't I don't have them pulled up right now, but I believe they did. Um, they won five four, lost nine eight, one four three. So all one run games. Um, really great series there out in the ACC. So. Uh, a couple more ACC series to hit on here, but um, some really good baseball in the ACC right now. Yeah, I'm impressed with what I've seen so far. Um, Miami did jump back up in the rankings to 17. So, big series win from them, um, rewarded by, you know, a jump of at least eight spots. Next up, we got number two, Wake Forest, playing at number 10, Louisville. I know I picked Louisville. Um, the Wake Forest was rolling early. On Friday, they won 11-5. Saturday, they won 3-0. And on Sunday, Louisville actually took the finale 7-2. So at least Louisville took one. But Wake looks really, really good right now. Um, and I might be picking them in a series against LSU, um, along with maybe a couple other teams. But, I mean, Wake has the pitchers. They don't necessarily have the – they have a couple hitters. I mean, of course they would. They're the second team in the country. But they don't quite have the offense that you would think the second team in the country has. Um, their strengths are the pitching. They have two really good starters. Um, you know, all American type guys, you know, a really solid reliever, probably all conference reliever. But yeah, I mean, Wake won the series playing really, really well and look like the favorites out of the ACC. Yeah, they really do. Um, I mean, talk about just it, the elite pitching you can deploy um, is dangerous to have. And it, it's really hard to beat when you've got two, two, honestly, three aces, it feels like for them and some elite relievers. So 
Um, Wake's going to be a team, and it's going to be a really scary team to watch for. Um, just kind of as we go through, even even into conference tournaments, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So getting into the next, got an SEC tournament, SEC tournament, SEC series here um, with number four Vanderbilt taking it in two, taking it uh, two to one from South Carolina. Um, South Carolina won the first game 14 to six. Vanderbilt won the, wins the next two, eight to five and six to four. Um, really good series, though. It was really some really good games, a lot of power hitting. Um, so bo- both teams were really solid. I don't, I don't think South Carolina moved in the rankings. If not, maybe moved down a couple spots. I don't think they did, though. Um, they didn't move. Yeah, I, I didn't think they were going to. They typically they um when ACC teams lose each other like this to you know two to one in a series in some tight games, there's not a lot of movement. Um, but no, Vanderbilt looks really good. They kind of bounce back from a slow start. South Carolina obviously kind of I don't want to say bursting onto the scene this year, but no one expected them to be this good. So um, that's just different, man. Yeah, South Carolina has much deeper roster than most people would have seen going into the season. Um, you know, moving along here. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, big, big time matchup, an incredible atmosphere at a duty noble field in Mississippi. Starkville is where Mississippi State plays. They set the attendance record for a uh, conference game, I think. Something like 14,300 or something like that. Crazy. Um, You know, they're having a lot more fans than probably four or five MLB teams do on a nightly basis. Friday, Mississippi State took the opener three to two. Saturday, or sorry, Ole Miss took the opener three to two. Saturday, Mississippi State won eight to seven. Sunday, Mississippi State won the rubber match at five to three. So three really close games. Um, you know, Saturday was really the only game that was poor pitching. Um, some great offense though. Uh, just couldn't string offense together. Um, but a really exciting series to follow along. I watched probably you know a few innings of it. Um, and just a lot of fun to follow along with, especially two teams that have great home atmospheres when they're so close together. You know it's going to be rowdy. And, yeah, I mean, like you said, SEC is pretty good, and we got another series here to talk about. Yeah, no no doubt. They, I mean, even and these are two lesser SEC teams, and it, it was still an electric series. I mean, you should have seen the crowds at, at Mississippi State, those Mississippi State games. Two, those, are, those are the two worst teams in the conference right now. And the, the 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 fans were they went ballistic. It was awesome to see. Um, wasn't the Saturday game a walk off too? Yeah, it was. I think. Yeah. I mean, do, do, it was it was incredible. Is it like an eighth inning like go ahead homer or was it, it was a walk off in the ninth? But dude, they were going absolutely, uh, you know, just berserk. So it's just a different environment. Um, Tennessee, Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas takes the series in a sweep at home. Um, really dominant series to victory for them. I think again a statement. I, I think I said last week a statement win for Arkansas, taking it over Tennessee. Um, you know five two six three seven two. Um, all three or more margin of victory uh, run run margin of victory. So I'm really um really impressed with Arkansas. And I think I don't think they move up in the rankings, but they, uh, don't be shocked if they go. I don't, I don't know when their next big SEC series is. They don't have one this weekend, but I think they've got one in two weekends from now. I think they're playing somebody big. I know we're getting into the waning kind of weeks of the season here, but um really think they're going to make a lot of noise um, making a run maybe. I think that they might be better than that one. I don't want to say they're better. They may be more poised to make a run than that one seed Arkansas team was a couple of years ago. Because I, I, I think the one overall seeds get a lot of pressure. I may be different with this LSU team this year because they're, they're just so abundantly talented. 
But like that Tennessee team had a lot of pressure. The Arkansas team the year before had a lot of pressure. I mean, it's, it's hard to be a one overall seed, right? So I, I'm, I'm genuinely curious to see if if that kind of reigns true this year with LSU. And then I think, again, this five Arkansas teams getting rolling right now. And um curious to see if they just have a better shot to make a run than that one that one overall seed did. Yeah, I mean, they look really good. They did lose the opener last night to Georgia. Um, but, I mean, sweeping Tennessee is really solid with the arms Tennessee has mixed with the offense. They did lose some guys, but they still have a good offense. Next up, most impressive series, I think, of the weekend. Number eight, Stanford playing Oregon and Eugene. On Friday, Oregon won 4-0 behind a complete game shutout from their pitcher. Saturday, Oregon won 8-1 behind a complete game two-hitter from their pitcher. And Sunday, Stanford did take the finale. Oregon was up 4-0, but Stanford ended up winning 6-4. So pretty fun series there. Nonetheless, Oregon did win it against a top-10 team. Not sure where Stanford is in the rankings. Can't remember. Um, but, yeah, really good series from Oregon, and they've played solid all year. Um, you know, have been pretty much at the fringe of the rankings for most of the season. Um, Oregon's up to 23, and then Stanford dropped one spot to nine. So, which is not too shocking, much by the way. shifting, shocking. but yeah, I can't believe they said at nine. Just Oregon was unranked last week, and I know they're ranked. And Oregon's a, they're a quality program. They always seem to be a team that you don't want to see. It just feels like if you go to Eugene, they're a t- tough place to win, and um, they're just a solid program. Obviously, four zero eight one, and then six fours, six four losses. Um, you know, really good series win, but. Um, surprise Stanford only went down one, but last series here, um, Texas Tech traveled to Norman, got their first road series, uh, victory of the year, um, took the first game 13 to seven in the 10th inning and in, in extras, shockingly enough at 13 to seven, kind of get to that story in a second when the second game on Saturday, nine to five, and then got run ruled, um, in the eighth inning, 12 to two on Sunday. Um, on the road, they feel good for just a, a total like stinker. You know what I mean? Like they just feel like throw it away. It just feels like they've always got a throwaway game on the road in a, in, a, in, a, in the in-conference series. So um, oddly enough, they don't they don't really get those in terms of um, like tournament games and um, like playoff games. They've never other than like maybe that one Stanford game where they got like shut out um, two years ago in, in Lubbock. But I mean, it feels like they there's something about traveling in the conference on the road, especially Sundays for them is tough. But um, no, two really big wins. Friday, Saturday, um, you know, they went to the top of the 10th on Friday. Um, load the bases. They had already scored a couple of runs. Then Gavin Cash went and, I mean, like, it looked like he just kind of took like a, like a foul swing hack at it and, put, like, literally just pushed it over the the, the, the left field wall. Like, just it was like just the, the dumbest, most silly homer I've ever seen. The guy is just ridiculously powerful. Um, I mean, he literally just, like, fl- he just, like, flipped the ball out and put it over the fence. Like, it was absolutely ridiculous um like one of those chase ledbetter homers like dude just like ball off the dirt like in yeah. off the dirt hits his bat and he just puts it out like it's just ridiculous and it was a grand slam top of the 10 so they go up they went up i think five six runs at that point and kind of was all she wrote for oklahoma but um crazy crazy ending to that game yeah no doubt fun series overall though tech you know getting the road series a win like you mentioned Gavin Cash playing really, really well. I think he's tied for second in homers nationally. He is 19 homers and 66 RBIs, I believe. Um, so, yeah, playing really well. Looking forward to this weekend, though. Um, we do have some big series that we're going to talk about. Number three, Florida traveling to play at number six, South Carolina. And last night, South Carolina run-ruled them 13-3. to three. Um, 
you know, not much of a game, honestly. Florida came out, I think it was three to two, South Carolina for a little bit. And then, you know, South Carolina just kept pouring it on, looking like the best offense in the country right now. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it to the opener. Looking forward to the series. I mean, I'll take South Carolina. I mean, they only have to win one of the two uh, remaining games. So kind of an easier pick because we already t- saw the you know opener result. But, yeah, looking forward to it. And a couple other big series here in the SEC this weekend. No doubt. It feels like there's always a big series in the SEC. Um, Vanderbilt traveling to go play Tennessee, um, which unranked Tennessee. seems It sounds very strange to say. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they are unranked just considering kind of the other team, like, like UTSA is ranked. I still, they're missing a permit. So they're missed Oregon, like just surprised that, that, that D one didn't sneak Tennessee, like right at the, that, at the 25 spot after a rough loss last week. Um, nonetheless, it, it's a big series for Tennessee. They got, they, they have to take at least one, um, take one from Vanderbilt at home. I, I'm not asking them to win the series or get a sweep, but they got to win a game. Um, I think it's a really good Vanderbilt team. So kind of a prove-it series for Tennessee, who's um, really in jeopardy of, of of getting a really, really bad draw um, for the playoffs. No doubt. A deep conference, like we've said. Probably taking Vandy in that one. Um, next up, we have a ranked matchup, number 20, Boston College. Playing number 18, North Carolina in North Carolina. Um, I'll go UNC for this one. Boston College hasn't played well on the road this year. And, you know, coming off a road loss to Louisville, a uh, series loss. I think they won at home last weekend, but back on the road here, um, I'd expect a series loss from them. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't shock me. Um, kind of with that prediction either, I think. UNC needs to get this one too. I think BC, two teams that kind of fallen a little bit from grace with kind of a couple of series losses, but um. Definitely a one that North Carolina needs to win to kind of maintain as a, as a host, I think, if they want to go host a regional. Definitely one that North Carolina needs to win. And then Southern Miss going to travel and do a number 10 Coastal Carolina. Um, again, this is big for Coastal Carolina. I think also big for Southern Miss if, you know, both teams want to host. They probably need to win this series, right? So um, be a big one for both teams. I think Coastal Carolina probably comes out on top, though, at home, too. They have a great home environment. Yeah, no, they their offense has been really hot as of late. Um, Going over the Pac-12 here, the the lone big Pac-12 game this weekend. We have 21 Oregon State at 19 Arizona State. Going to Oregon State. You know, Arizona State, I think, lost their midweek. Um, you know, they got dominated, I think, from what I remember. Um, going to Oregon State. Oregon State, you know, has the pedigree. Has always played pretty consistent at the stretch of the season. Hasn't really fallen off like a lot of teams uh, we see that happen to. So I'm going to Oregon State on the road. I'm with you. Um, I'm taking Oregon State on the road as well. Baylor traveling to Lubbock this weekend to take on number 16, Texas Tech. Will not be at the game tonight. Got um, my dad and his best friend, basically my uncle in town. So um, be hanging out with them tonight, probably have dinner. And then tomorrow we will be at the – go to the spring game first, probably get out of there in time for the baseball game at 2. And then Sunday I've got uh, the exam Monday, which is always nice. So I won't be able to get, go to the game. I'll watch the game. I'll watch both games I won't go to. Um, taking Texas Tech at home. I mean – Anyone who bets against Texas Tech sports at home, you got to be an extreme circumstance, right? Like, got to be, you know, Alabama coming to town for football, or, um, you know, Kansas coming to town for for basketball, or some some powerhouse team coming in. Um, but I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Texas Tech. I I want to say they're gonna sweep. I don't I don't I'm not going to say it, but I they do need to sweep this week. I think if they can sweep, 
They sweep the, the midweek against against GCU in dominant fashion. They can sweep the weekend series. They could really vault themselves into the top 12 with a lot of losses in front of them. I know what Van, uh, LSU lost a midweek game. Vandy lost a midweek game. Yeah, a bunch a of, teams of teams lost. A lot of teams lost. I think you sent it to me. It was like the whole list of teams that lost. It was like, man, it'd be a big if they can sweep. Puts them back in the position to host. I know D1 Baseball projected them as a three seed, which, brother, I don't know how uh, the 16th ranked team in the country are pointing to them as a three seed. RPI can be whatever it wants. I, I don't know how that's going to – I don't know how that works right now. I get it maybe as a two, but come on, as a three? They're not a top 32 team? Let's not go with RPI for everything. Um, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of that. I think you get the automatic boost being in the SEC, which I don't love. Um, I just – I don't know. I'm not loving the RPI. It feels like a basketball metric where it's like, hey, guys, let's just watch what's on the court. Let's just use our eyes for a minute. Um Maybe look a little old school with, with the eye test. Um, but again, if, if Texas Tech wants to host, this is a big sweep, and then obviously kind of carry the momentum in the next week, and then um, through the next couple of weeks, and then the conference tournament, and all that stuff. So big series for Texas Tech to go out and dominate. Um, I'll let you give your thoughts, and we'll keep it pushing. Definitely, um, I'd be satisfied with the series win. They don't necessarily need a sweep. I mean, Baylor looked horrendous for the non-conference part of the season, but since conference has come around, they actually haven't been too bad. I mean, they're a one run from taking the home series against UT last weekend, who's right now the lone Big 12 team projected to host the Longhorns. Um, Texas Tech, they do play really well at home. I'm not going to say they're going to sweep. I'll say they'll win two. Um, hopefully, you know, win tonight and then one over the weekend. As nice as it would be to sweep, I don't know if it's going to happen just because, you know, Baylor's always due for a good performance over the weekend, and I don't think they've gotten sw- swept yet this year. Um, but in terms of hosting, I think they do take RPI and, like, quad one records very seriously. And, like, they do reward teams for the strength of schedule that they play. And while the Big 12, you know, there's a lot of kind of variety in how teams play, and the Big 12 teams <clears throat> more so than others – they go on hot stretches and cold stretches, um, more so than other conferences. There probably won't be they probably won't reap the benefits as well as some other teams like you might the Pac twelve. Um, but there still is a chance for a couple of Big Twelve teams to host. I don't know if Tech will be one or not. Um but yeah, it's just gonna come down to how they perform down the stretch of the season. Um, not playing great competition the rest of the way here. So Got to play really, really well and not play down to the competition, and that should hopefully uh, put them in a position to host. But we'll see. Still a lot of, you know, a lot of ball left to be played. I think about 15, 20 games left. But um, you know, we'll update y'all with that each week. Obviously, talking about big series and recaps and stuff like that. Looking forward to the MLB this week, this uh, year as well. We're just gonna have a quick standings update. Um, starting it out with the AL East. Red Sox are in last. 10 and 10. The Blue Days are in fourth at 11 and 8. The Orioles are in third at 11 and 7. Yankees are in second at 12 and 7. And the Rays are in first, best record in the majors right now at 16 and 3. They started 13 and 0, 3 and 3 since. Really strong, strong start from them. What well, they went 13 and 0 to start the year. Um, crazy start for them. Um, historic start, and you kind of see the rest of the division. 
um, Red Sox. I mean, everyone's over 500, which I think is the only division in the entire league over 500. So um, really impressive start from the whole division start the year. AL Central, um, Royals the la- and dead last at 14 and 15. White Sox next up at 7 and 12. Tigers at 7 and 10. Guardians at 10 and 9. And the Twins at 11 and 8. Um, this picture is not that far off of what I think most I think the average team is at kind of around 500 at the top there. So, um, yeah, no, I, I like uh, I like the parody so far this year. I just I, it's been clearly like the pitching has been rough on 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 relief pitchers and, and non-starters, I think. So um, I think we're going to see a lot of parody, a lot of movement in all these rankings kind of as we go through the, the season this year. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, looking at the AL Central, always kind of a weak comp or league division, excuse me, uh, in the American League and in the majors as a whole. Looking at the AL West to round out the American League, we have the Athletics at 3-16, and 16, uh, worst team in baseball. Seattle Mariners in fourth at 8-11, and 11, a little bit slow start for them, um, playoff hopefuls. Astros at 9-10, and 10, slow start for them as well. Angels at 9-10, and 10, about what we expected from them this point in the season. And the Rangers at 12-6, and 6, playing pretty well right now. Um, their losses have been due to mainly bad pitching. Um, so pretty good start for, to the season for them overall. And they're looking to, you know, win the division as they have a three and a half game lead right now on the next closest team. Uh, but no doubt the Astros will be, you know, heating up down the stretch of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, a slow start for, I mean, a lot of contenders. I think we're going to kind of get through, get through this nationally going to hear where you look at, um, you know, the, the Phillies, the Cardinals, the Dodgers and the Padres all with the rough starts that are a year. Um, you kind of expect just for baseball to kind of correct itself, but we'll see. Um, in the NL East here, we've got the Nationals at five and thirteen in the last place. The Phillies at eight and twelve with a super slow start. Marlins at ten and nine. Mets at thirteen and seven. Braves at fourteen and five. Two contenders there that kind of had a good start with the Bretts. The Bretts just combined the Braves and the Mets. You're you're a baseball team now. Um, there we go. The Braves, the Braves and the Mets. Where would you be located? Where would the Bretts be located? Lubbock. Yeah, why not? Yeah, we'll put a team out here. I'm rocking with it. Um, you get to combine the rosters, which would be kind of nice too. Um, yeah. Mean, mean pitching staff, mean lineup. I mean, come on. Ooh, who's starting, Matt Olson or Pete? Who's who's your first baseman? Probably Olson right now. That's a good choice. That's what I would have chosen too. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, two two contenders there in the Braves and the Mets. that have off to a good start there. Um, kind of a rarity. Um, like you said, I mean, look at the look at the Astros as well. Um, and the Yankees, 12 and seven is a solid start. But I mean, like you said, the Astros, I mean, even look at the Guardians, who are supposed to be a team that are going to make some noise in the AL. Guardians are 10 and nine. Astros are nine and 10. Phillies are eight and 12. And then you get kind of into the the Cardinals at eight and 11, which we'll get to in a second. And then the, the Dodgers and the Padres at, at or below 500 is not great either. So um, rough start for the contenders. But no, but props to the, the Braves and the Mets for having a good start as the contenders in the National League. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I picked the Braves to go to the World Series, I think. So, um, good start from them. Hopefully, they keep it going for the duration of the season. Go to the NL Central, though. Um, the Reds are seven and twelve. You mentioned the Cardinals having a slow start at eight and eleven. Cubs are eleven and seven. Pirates are thirteen and seven, and the Brewers are fourteen and five. So, a strong start from the Brewers. I the Brewers, I think, go into the NLDS, um, if I remember correctly. But another, you know, the Central Division is always. A little bit more swapping in the order, um, and the winners of the divisions aren't normally up to par with the others. Yeah, yeah. Kind of curious to see how the whole division dynamic kind of goes. The Cubs, um, 
you know, kind of a, a big culture change there, bringing in a lot of new guys, um, namely Dansby Swanson and Cody Bellinger, two guys come from, you know, two teams that have won World Series in the past three years. So curious to see kind of how their how their season shakes out. Um, getting to the National League West here, Rockies at six and fourteen, Giants at six and twelve, Padres at ten and eleven, Dodgers at ten and ten, probably ten and eleven here in a couple of minutes, and they're about to lose to the the Cubs. Um, and the Diamondbacks eleven and nine. So really weird here with the Diamondbacks being in the lead, and then both the the Dodgers and the Padres at at sub five hundred. Um, I know the Padres got back Tatis last night, but he went like over five. So Clearly, it didn't make a difference yesterday. So, um, and he's he's a cheater, so it didn't matter. Um, no, I do think it's funny, like the reaction from fans, like 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 the savior is back from like a blown Achilles. Like, guys, he had a PED suspension. Like, let's not let's pump the brakes a little bit. Um, I do love the Giants in six and twelve, though. That that does make me so happy. Um, and Madison Bumgarner got DFA yesterday. Like, dude, I think I texted you. I I was just so. Like just joyful sitting in class when I got that news. He's such a scrub, dude. He, his shtick, his whole career has been just to be like total a hole, like for no reason. And like when you're like an elite pitcher, okay, whatever, dude. Like I guess I can get over it. But he sucks. He's been so bad for the last five years, and he's still being an a hole. He and he's the worst. That dude sucks. He's awful. Um. I mean, he, what, he got into a shouting match with 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 what Wilson Contreras yesterday because or was it William or Wilson? Which one of them? Uh, Wilson, I think. I think it was. I, that's what I thought. That was Wilson. They get into a shouting match because he took a he took a huge hack at a at a piped fastball. What do you what do you want him to do, bro? <laughs> bunt? Let out a bunt on a piped fastball? Uh, yeah. Like one zero count? What do you want him to do? Not take a hack? He's a power hitter, so he's just he's he's such a crybaby, dude. I'm so glad he got DFA'd. Um. But yeah, I think the Dodgers and the Padres will—they're both going to figure it out. Like they're both going to get get right. I think both teams are playing just horrendously offensively. Um, when you look at teams, both numbers for both teams that they've been he- heavily carried by the long ball. Um, I think you'll see these guys. Um, you know, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts, um, Juan Soto. I think you'll see all those guys kind of just get right offensively and kind of figure it out as we get deeper into the season here. Um, that kind of wraps up baseball and the MLB here. Um, getting to the NFL, which there's not a, again not a ton of news. One big contract, couple trade requests, a, a trade request, a retirement, but um, kind of getting some draft stuff first. Um, top 30 visits wrapped up on Wednesday. We now wait um, six more days for the NFL draft officially open at 7 p.m. Central on April 27th. Um, almost six days. Six, we're, we are six days. What is that? 20 or no? Six days. Two hours at 59 minutes at 4:01 p.m. right now. Um, so no, I think it'll be um, you know 30 visits wrapped up. 30 visits. What people get kind of confused is like top 30 visits. Like, oh, it's your top 30 prospects. Like no, I mean for some teams it is, which is a waste of time I think. But for most, like for I think for most teams, like I know for the Chargers and the Ravens because it's been talked about. Like Daniel Jeremiah used to be a Raven scout. Um, Brentley Wiseman used to work for the Chargers, which is another big draft name. Like. These guys have been pretty open about their, their those groups, um, those those management groups. Kind of, you most teams use top thirty visits to like half of them are used for like legit, you know, top not sixty to ninety prospects that you want to go, you know, legitimately pick in the first or second round. Then other like you know what, almost the rest of them are used for guys who are later round picks. You didn't get medicals on. You want to get your own medical teams hands on, but they didn't test the combine. They didn't get testing numbers or they didn't get a combine invite. Um, 
I know there's some off the field character questions you want to meet with the guy. So, um, you know, not really like top 30 players, more like we want to get a feel for you and like where we can pick you and, or I mean, kind of the position group as a whole. Um, without the draft, I know the Chargers met with a couple, a few running backs. Um, biggest name being Kendra Miller, I believe. Um, met with Alton Kincaid, a couple other tight ends, like well, bit a late tight end from Baylor. So, um, kind of getting a feel for the positions they might want to want, might want to draft later. But um, I know that you know not not all top thirty visits are, are necessarily um you know stock to buy into sometimes. Yeah, no, definitely. Each team getting thirty visits. Um, you know, they can use them obviously on whoever they want, but a lot of the times you don't see guys visit with teams that are pretty certain. Like Bijan only visited with two teams. Will Anderson visited with a couple. You don't normally see it. Um, you know, the highly touted guys visit with teams unless they're quarterbacks. Speaking of quarterbacks, though, um, there have been a bunch of rumored and posted scores of the quarterback's S2 cognition test numbers, which basically assesses their processing skills. Alabama's Bryce Young scored the highest uh, at a rumored 98 out of 99, which was higher than Justin Fields, um, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. Will Levis scored uh, a solid 93 out of 99. Anthony Richardson scored very high as well. C.J. Stroud reportedly scored relatively low. Um, some had him at an 18 out of 99. Um, apparently, a guy that works for the Colts said that he talked to or he saw a PFF interview, Pro Football Focus, interview with the founder of the S2 Cognition Test and claimed that those reports of that report of those scores was false. Whether that's a team putting out info as smoke to try to affect a guy's stock or whether this guy saying that he talked to the guy was smoke. Don't know for sure. Uh, we do know Bryce did score the highest and he did have a 98. So that's all we really know. I mean, impressive stuff from him, I think. I don't know if anyone's gotten a 98 or better in recent memory. Um, but yeah, I mean, some teams care about this more than others. Some teams don't care at all. It has been shown, though, uh, guys that do high on this test can do well in the league or, you know, not have a great career. Um, but guys that score low have never had a great career statistically. So definitely some measure, some measurement to um, kind of assess a guy's potential in the league. Yeah. Um. I'll I'll give since we have, we're on CJ Stroud getting a, a reportedly relatively low score. Um. And I'm talking about the Colts too. Uh. I will add some context to the Will Levis thing. Brady Quinn and, and Dov Kleeman is the worst draft. He's like he's like the worst media guy out there. Like for like NFL media, all he does is like retweets stuff that like, you know, what is it that that like. Um, like rap sheet or or Schefter tweets, like he just all that's all he does is just like repost it or he'll post like really clickbaity stuff. So he posted a a, a Brady Quinn clip of him. Ta- he posted the clip and the clip's great actually. The clip's fine. It's what he the way he what he said with it, but that's beside the point. The clip talked about Brady Quinn basically saying that like the rumored low stuff that happened with CJ Stroud like, on the meetings was like and kind of called sources about Stroud was like he. Something that came up that teams didn't like was that he was supposed to go to the committed to go to the Manning Passing Academy and then kind of just bailed on him the next day without like telling him. I don't know if there's any like how like what exactly went down the way that he described it. It was like he kind of just ghosted him a little bit and kind of no showed. Yeah, I don't know if that was like he couldn't get in. I don't know if he couldn't whatever. 
but with the Colts, if that is true, Peyton Manning does hold weight in that organization. Like they, like I promise you, they called Peyton Manning first to be the head coach of that team. When they hired Jeff Saturday, Peyton was the first call. I promise that right now. They did not. They didn't call Jeff first. They called Peyton Manning first. I promise. There's no way they didn't. And they reportedly called other guys as well. So Peyton Manning holds a lot of weight with that group. He holds a lot of weight with Jim Mersey. And I think if Jim Mersey called Peyton and said, "Hey, tell me about Bryce." C.J. Will, who, and Will Levis was a Manning passing academy guy. He went for multiple years, which could tell you if if Manning gives the if Peyton Manning gives kind of the the reigning endorsement of the character of Bryce Young and, and Will Levis and doesn't of C.J. Stroud because he got no showed. Maybe that's part of why they prefer Levis. I, I don't know. I'm just again, I don't I'm not saying C.J. ghosted him. I, don't, I have no idea. I'm just this is what this is what was kind of reported again. Brady was kind of like. When he said when he gave the clip and he's and he's really connected with the quarterback world. He he's kind of always been since he retired and um I think still you know believe he's very connected still especially with you know Peyton and Eli. Um, you know he said it kind of th- there wasn't a lot of clarity that he got and he he still needed to you know reach out to Peyton but basically it sounded like CJ was gonna go and then just kind of didn't show up the next day. I don't know I don't know if there's any more like I I've looked I don't I, there's no really no like substantial like there's people like people like you even said like you saw something about him just working with his guys instead. And that that's, we have no confirmation of what happened, which is kind of why I think we, we bring it up a little bit, but just kind of some context there with, um, to add the CJ Stroud kind of dialogue, if you will. Yeah. I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of looking at everything. I mean, it's a lot of stuff nowadays that's being posted as smoke and as fact, and we just don't know which is which. So it, while I'm looking at everything, I am taking into account that none of it could be true while, you know, some of it could be true. And you just don't know exactly what is unless it's reported by a reputable, you know, insider or source or whatever. Um, but moving on, you know, kind of a free agency update. We have had a few things. I'll touch on a couple. Former Bucks Pro Bowl defensive tackle Jared McCoy announced his retirement. Um, you know, was really, really stout um, for pretty much whoever he played with. And he played with a few different teams. Finally deciding to hang it up after a really solid career. I get a couple all pros in there as well. Just, you know, a dominant force on the inside for most teams. Um, and just really, really had a good career. I think he played Carolina as well. Um, but the bulk of his career being with Tampa Bay. And then next, the Atlanta Falcons continue to add to their defense. Um, it's actually looking pretty good. They signed Edge Bud Dupree. Former Steeler, former Titan, signed him to a one-year, $5 million deal. So low-risk, high-reward deal for them as a guy can kind of, you know, rack up the sack numbers as he did in Pittsburgh more so than Tennessee. Um, But nonetheless, a guy still with some stuff left in the tank and joining a D-line and a defense that added Calais Cannibal. Uh, I believe they added someone in the middle. And then Jesse Bates traded for Jeff Okuda. Um, So looking good as of now. Also cut case to Hayward while we were, um, yeah, like 30, 40 minutes ago, which is interesting, by the way. I think I think they're taking a corner at eight now, like one hundred. I think they're one hundred percent taking a corner at eight now. Yeah, I could see it because Okuda, honestly, I mean, he only has one year he's a, left. He's a that. slot player right now. Yeah, right. I mean, and his cap hit is around ten mil, I believe, which is a little high. Um, but yeah, I mean, the bringing well, they're not going to pick up his option. They're not. They're not taking right. a fifth year option. They're going to let it go. And bringing in a rookie that you'll have five years of control on the contract um, to put with AJ Terrell, who 
still has a year will be big for them in their roster building, I think, because they want to see what they can do with the offense. And if they need to pay a quarterback, they will have that op- or option on the table. Yeah. Um, kind of getting a couple other pieces of news here. Um, Arizona Cardinals star safety Buda Baker's requested a trade far and away the most talented individual on that entire team. Um, that literally the best player, including Kyler, the best player on that team just, just wanted to ask for a trade. Um, which is interesting. Uh, I don't know where he's going to land. I think if I, like, I think I texted you like kind of off dome, like right off the top of my head, Dallas makes a lot of sense. They need to, they, they could use the safety. Um, Jacksonville makes a lot of sense. Cincinnati, if they can make the money work, makes sense to me, like long-term money wise, then they can make it work. Cause right. they just lost both their safeties. I know they have Dax Hill, but I feel like Dax is more of like a box safety slot defender, not necessarily a deep safety, which is kind of what Buddha does. But I think, with those guys' skill sets, you can kind of use them both on the field at the same time. Um, thinking about NFC, I, I mean, honestly, this is this would be terrifying, but you know who needs a safety is the Eagles. You don't know what his value because Again, he wants a new contract, basically. So I don't know if the Eagles could to, could pay him. I think if teams that could pay him, like Jacksonville could pay him probably because you can front load that deal with, you know, before you got to pay, pay Trevor another year. Um you know, Dallas, I think they can make the money work. They're not going to bring back Pollard, I don't think. I think they've got room for it long term. Um, but again, we'll see. Um, and then the other piece of news here is Miami Dolphins uh, signed former Panthers and Cardinals receiver Chosen Anderson, uh, uh, formerly known as Robbie Anderson, a uh, wide receiver to a one-year $1.165 million deal. So they're just going to go out and have a track meet. They're just going to run four verticals every single play and hope that the O-line's good enough, which is a bold strategy, brother. I'm I, I personally – I'm not yep. a fan. They don't have a blocking tight end right now, which they need to get. They don't have an offensive line that I think is capable of. of like, I know Teron Armstead's there, but he ain't getting any younger. And I don't like the entire rest of it. Like, I'm not a fan of the of left guard to right tackle. I don't like it all. So, um, for a quarterback who's already dealt with a lot of head injuries and just injuries as a whole, I don't love the fact that they are going to go. <laughs> the plan is to run, like, what, drags? and goes like what are we doing here i know i know obviously jalen and tyree can do more than that but the skill set of the offense is the deep threat and i don't love it with the quarterback and the current with the roster construction but hey i guess i'm not a gm for a reason yeah not ideal for them um they do need to add a tight end they don't have a first round pick this year as they forfeited it so a lot of work to do with not a lot of resources for miami outside of that receiver room uh, t- touching on the cardinals Safety, Buda Baker requesting a trade. I mean, yeah, a lot of teams could benefit from his services. It's just going to come down to what's going to be the compensation and then what's going to be the contract. And I think some teams will be willing to offer more than, a you know, another team that will be in the running. Uh, it's probably a draft day trade. Probably looking at a day two pick form, similar to DeAndre Hopkins, who's also another really good player on the Cardinals that's going elsewhere likely. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the Cardinals' plan is. I guess. And they have a quarterback, and somehow you got to get around. You paid him after paid Kyler after only three years, and they haven't been in the playoffs, and they have nobody around him other than Marquise Brown and James Conner, which is okay. I mean, they're good. It's just they're not going to be difference makers when there's no one else around them. So, um, a lot to think about if you're a Cardinals fan. A lot of different stuff could happen. But the big thing that did happen this past week was that the Eagles re-signed, or I don't want to say re-signed, they extended 
quarterback Jalen Hurts to a five-year, $255 million contract. A lot of uh, terms in this. So to start, 179, 304,000, excuse me, a million of that is guaranteed which is 70.32% of the overall contract in its total value. This includes the 110 million fully guaranteed at signing and the 126.5 million fully guaranteed before the second year of the contract. And also he receives a $23.294 million signing bonus. And he's now under contract for the next six seasons through the 2028 season. Contract also includes $15 million in incentives, allowing Hertz to earn up to $54 million annually in new money. There will be a no-trade clause, as Hertz can earn up to $274.304 million over the next six seasons, about $45 annually. Still has one year more deal on his, one more year on his rookie deal, as he was a second-round pick. He has no fifth-year option. One rookie deal. These five after that. It is the richest contract in annual average value per year um, in NFL history. It slightly eclipses that of Aaron Rodgers, who was at 50.3. Obviously, Hertz can are up to 54. You're probably looking at more so between 51 and 54 for the next QB contract. Um, But yeah, big deal. I think it was a good deal. the guarantees you look at are less than what Lamar turned down, which is surprising. And 70% of the deal being guaranteed is about what I think we'll see with the remainder of the big QB contracts to be signed. Yeah, so I'll kind of give a little bit of insight that I've gotten in the past few days when this deal came out. Um, first of all, really good deal for Jalen, really good deal for the Eagles, I think. I, I mean, it's a lot of money, but you, they were going to have to pay it. There's no other really option for them. So um, solid deal for them. Um, on terms of in kind of in terms of the next two quarterback contracts, obviously being Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, um, we have no idea what Lamar situation is going to be. I think we're literally just spitballing now and seeing what sticks to the ceiling um, with him. Like we have no idea. But um, with the obviously with the Herbert and the Burrow deals, both front offices have been very vocal about the fact that it's going to happen. Um, I did get some inside info that. Um, the Justin Herbert deal is going to happen first uh, because Joe Burrow has basically told his agent that he wants to wait. Like they want to wait. Him and his agent both want to wait and have him get the biggest deal. He wants to set the market for the next year before presumably Trevor Lawrence resets it. And we do this vicious cycle of every year somebody resets it. Right. So uh, presumably Mahomes sets it in, you know, 2025 or 2025. And then, you know, we'll, we get there eventually. Right. So, um, you know, it sounds like, Herbert's deal will get done. My guess is before June 1st, the the front office and the and his agency basically because he's he didn't care. Like basically he was like he'd let his, his agency do the whole thing. He just wants to be a charger. Um, So basically they agreed like, hey, let's do most of the heavy lifting. Like we'll have some preliminary talks here and there. But like they were very interested in the fact that like they're focused on the draft right now. And the agency was more than happy to just wait till after the draft, wait till like May 1st, basically do all the heavy lifting. So um. I think it's going to be done by June 1st. I bet it happens in the first few weeks of May. Maybe it pushes into June. Um, I think both sides want to get it done. I think I will say it sounds like Herbert's agency was going to push for more guaranteed money, like more along the lines of the Kyler deal, 
And then when this deal came out, they basically were like conceded, like, well, we can't ask for that anymore. Like, that's not the standard. Deshaun Watson is not the standard. This Jalen Hurts deal is the standard of right around 70 to 80 percent guaranteed as opposed to like 80 to 95 or 100. Right. So um, I think this Jalen deal worked in the favor of both the Chargers and and, and Bengals front offices. Um, And I think we're going to see both deals get done. I think obviously Burroughs will come later and with him wanting to wait unless there's some massive follow up between the Chargers and, and Herbert's agency and Herbert, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, both sides. I mean, I've never seen Tom Telesco this vocal about getting a deal done. And the last time he was this vocal was the Derwin James contract last year. So it's going to happen. It's just a matter of of when and, and when it happens. But um, I think it's in the next, I would say the next eight weeks, the next two months. So by mid-June, it's going to be done, I think. Um, my 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 that's a little firmer i think my software guess is june one mid-june i think it's done um kind of the last piece of news actually i'll let, I'll let you hit the those two contracts then we can hit the, the Alan robinson stuff yeah obviously um two big time qbs left to be paid and lamar not including lamar in that because i mean he's a, he has a big time qb left to be paid but it's a different scenario and i think for lamar I'm not going to touch on it at all till after the draft because I think by May 1, we'll have a better understanding of what the deal is with him, if not a resolution to that whole situation. Um, yeah, I mean, the options for Lamar are, one, he's traded on April 27th on Thursday. Two, he's extended before the draft so they can make a draft day trade for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, because if they do extend him, they can free up up to $25 million in cap, likely only you know, $10, 15 uh, but nonetheless free up some money to fit a contract of not only DeAndre Hopkins, maybe you know if they bring back Marcus Peters or if they sign Rocky Asin um, into May as those signings don't affect compensatory picks in terms of the teams receiving compensation for players that they lost in the previous offseason via draft picks in the third through seventh round. Um, yeah, I'm really intrigued by this whole Lamar situation. I am, I, along with every other person, somewhat related to the Ravens, uh, whether it be a fan, front office, Lamar, anyone. Everyone's tired of it. Everyone wants a resolution, and I think we will get one, um, whether that's Lamar signing the franchise tag and being a free agent next year. It's at least a temporary resolution, um, but I mean, we could have a permanent one here in six days, and it's just interesting to think about all the different avenues, but no doubt uh, Herbert and Burrow will be due for big contracts, and sounds like they should be done this summer, which should be uh, fun going into the next season, kind of assessing everyone's worth and stuff like that going into the 2024 offseason. Um, but that's pretty much it for just QB talk on this episode. We will have... Mock Draft Monday 6.0, the final Mock Draft Monday. will be a collaborative Mock Draft coming out this Monday, the 23rd. Uh, but one last piece of news to touch on from the NFL is that Los Angeles Rams, they traded wide receiver Allen Robinson and a 2023 seventh, which is 251 overall pick, to the Pittsburgh Steelers for the 2023 seventh, 234. So essentially, the Steelers got Allen Robinson for free. Um all the Rams did was move up 17 spots in the seventh round, 20 picks from Mr. Irrelevant. Like, what's going to happen there? I don't know. You take a shot at a guy that you may like. Like, probably not going to pan out. We don't really see seventh rounders panned out. Obviously, last year, Isaiah Pacheco, but 
I think that was the only guy that saw any meaningful playing time across the league. So in terms of the contract for Allen Robinson, the Rams are going to pay basically two thirds of it. They're going to pay 10 and a quarter million of the $15 million 2023 annual salary that Allen Robinson was owed. Now he is under contract for 2024 as well. Um, I know that the Steelers are going to pay $5 million of his 2023 contract. And I can't remember what they're going to pay of 2024. I do, I do think they lowered the cap hit to like 10 mil or something probably, like they're that. They're probably cutting him, though. They're probably cut. He's cut. They most likely are, yeah. But, um, I mean, a depth piece at this point, I think, in his career. Granted, he is only 29, I believe. But um, the Steelers don't have a bad receiving group. I mean, they, they have Fryermuth at tight end. Pickens, who played pretty well for him. Deontay Johnson. Who's had some drop issues, but nonetheless uh, played pretty well. And then Parker Washington still there is too. Right, right. Um, and then Najee out of the backfield. But I mean, th- this feels to me like like a move to just kind of replace with the depth they lost with Claypool. Right, right. I mean, I they, think, they, I think that's I what know. it is. Yeah. And you you probably Shoot, can go receiver the swap, in the first I mean, three rounds, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I think it depends on the board falls. I mean, if like if Quentin Johnson's there for him. At, 32 image taking right I do think he was not invited to the draft I'm very intrigued to see how that kind of plays out because the rumor was like he didn't get invited by the NFL because they were worried he wouldn't get picked so um but no really good deal for the Steelers here dude I mean they pay five so when when this deal happened and you we, we texted I immediately went and looked at their spot track like hey do they can they even afford his 15 million they had nine million in cap space so I knew they weren't gonna be paying all 15 and then, they're, I mean, they're paying five, which is a steal. I mean, if he even sees the field, it feels like for them. So, um, you know, really good deal here for, for the Steelers. Um, and then obviously, I mean, it, the Rams clearly wanted him gone. I don't know why, but they clearly wanted him gone. So, um, like I said, it kind of feels like it fills the void that Chase Claypool left. Obviously, not a deep threat, but they've kind of got that and the guys they already have on that roster. Uh, and obviously got a great return for him with the, with the 30th second overall pick um, coming from the Bears. So, that kind of wraps up kind of the whole pod today. Um, we'll get into the ice bath here. Um, I'll kick it off real fast um, with the ice bath. Do you have anything else to add to the NFL before we, we hit the ice bath? Um, no, I guess the only thing is college football. They're going away with stopping the clock inside two minutes. Or, oh, they uh, are. After a first down, not inside two minutes. Really? Inside, after a first I did down, not, yeah. I did not know that. All right. Oh, yeah. That definitely changes the game a little bit. Um. That's actually that's huge. Wow, that's that's surprising. Um, dang. Well, I'll think about that later. It's interesting. Um, but yeah, ice bath today. Um, obviously the Dodgers lost their game today, moving to ten and eleven, but um, almost got perfect hit against, which is just depressing. But feel like the Cubs, the Cubs have their the Cubs pitching staff has their number, man. I don't know what it is. They got no hit by him like three years ago. Like the combined no hit, it was crazy. Um. But no, um, James Altman had a go-ahead home or go-ahead grand slam in the ninth inning last night against uh, against the Cubs, um, which has been. I mean, his his rookie season's been awesome. He's easily the National League leader for Rookie of the Year right now. At what like three weeks, three four weeks in. Um, like you look at the numbers, like he's number one in average homers, RBIs, like slug, OPS. Like he's number one in all of it for the National League rookies. Um, so I think um, I know I picked Miguel Vargas to win Rookie of the Year. Um, if I can amend my pick now, I'll pick James Outman, but it's kind of cheating, I guess. But um, 
No, I think Outman's going to have a really good year. He's he's played really well. He's been really good in center field as well. And he played a little bit of right field when Trace Thompson um, is in the lineup, but um, or I guess left field, sorry. Um, but Outman's had a great year. I think the future's really bright for him. Um, and yeah, he's been he's been electric, man. He's been awesome. Um, dude can move. Dude can fly too. So really love Outman. Um, glad he's kind of got his shot and um, you know, has made the most of it so far. And hopefully, he kind of continues to uh, kind of ball out the rest of the year. Yeah, big stuff um, there from the rookie in L.A. Uh, to this point in the season. Obviously, a lot of season left. We're going to see starting out hot. Um, my ice bath. So the Ravens utilized 28 of their 30 top 30 visits. They hosted six receivers and seven corners, uh, three inside linebacker safeties, three running backs, a D lineman, uh, which was Javon Dexter Jr., and Two offensive linemen, four edge rushers, and two quarterbacks, including Anthony Richardson. Seems like they're leaning towards addressing wide receiver and corner early in the draft, being that nearly half their visits were between those two positions. They visit with a lot of top-notch receivers, top-notch corners. Um, didn't utilize a top-30 visit on Deontay Banks because he was a local guy, so they just went to campus to visit him, so it didn't count against their visits. But yeah, I mean... I think a lot of different avenues, like I mentioned, that the Ravens, let alone any team, could go down on night one, night two, night three, any day of the draft. That's what makes it so fun. Just so much news, so much, you know, change of direction franchise-wise, and all comes down to, you know, the 15 hours of coverage we have of the draft each year. So I'm probably thinking corners, the round one pick if they stay and pick at 22 overall. Nonetheless, looking forward to it. I know we've talked about it a ton. Mock Draft Monday 6.0, like I mentioned. Coming out this Monday, final one, we're going to have a collaborative one-round mock where we each talk about each pick and make it together. Um, episode 49, kind of thinking about it still, but we think we're going to have something come out before the draft on Thursday. Uh, more of a more of a 48, episode right? geared... 48. More yeah, of an episode make sure geared towards today, the yeah. draft. Yeah. And then the following Monday, a week after Mock Draft Monday 6.0, it's just going to be strictly a draft recap. It's going to be our final NFL-related episode. Um, obviously, we'll talk about a couple of free agent signings in the normal episodes, but in terms of strictly NFL episodes on Mondays, that'll be our final episode, and we'll cut back to one episode a week, being just the normal episode where we talk about you know NHL, NBA playoffs, MLB, stuff like that, like we did today. Um. And then, you know, we'll have a couple NBA mock drafts here in a few months, as that's normally early July when that goes down. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of wrapping up two episodes a week. Um, it's been a ton of content, ton of fun as well. I uh, love doing, you know, the normal episodes. love doing the mock drafts. Obviously, another one. Still have one more to come out. But we don't know what day we're going to move our normal episode to in the week, being that it'll be our only episode kind of rocking with a Monday and Friday right now, but when we cut back to one, figure out a day for that that works best as we kind of get to the end of the semester here in a couple weeks. Um, but yeah, stay tuned to the Cold Seat Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cold Seat Podcast, especially next week as we have the draft. We'll be recapping every pick. Um, after they come out, won't tip the picks. Um, but looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much is it. Can listen to us wherever um apple instagram instagram i mean if you go through the link on instagram yeah um yeah, apple yeah. spotify amazon google uh probably a couple others there as well that i'm not thinking about but 
Yeah, that wraps up episode 47 today here on April 21st, six days out of the draft. And we will see you all on Monday for Mock Draft Monday 6.0. Yep, see you guys soon.